Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Wow, what a crowd today. We might actually be interactive this morning. Uh, everybody chose to come to church today. I love it. It's because the preaching was so good last week, right? Thank you to Bryce Mackin for uh, filling in and nailing it. Very good. Very cool. Uh, but it's good to be back. Thanks for... Yes, there you go. Yay, God. Yeah. Um, uh, we got to spend some time with the family and a uh, little travel, baby shower and whatnot. So that was kind of fun. And now we're back. Um, before we get started, a Sound of Freedom is a movie in the theaters right now about uh, child trafficking and more. It is a very difficult topic. And normally we fail to promote much of anything at church other than God and the Bible and summer camp you know, and our ministries. But uh, watching the movie, as, as hard as the topic was, it's well done. And uh, it's worth us spending a little time and energy on because uh, what's happening to our children is wrong and needs to be stopped. And the more we understand what's going on, the more we can be about solving it. So. I would encourage you, if you have an opportunity to uh, go and see it, or I'm, I'm yet to know if it's streamable or on any of that. We went and saw it in the movie theater and the whole thing, because I like to eat popcorn and have a soda and watch it. You know, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's kind of like church. Um, um, but yeah, I want to encourage you in that. And uh, is it David Cavizo? Jim Cavizo. He, uh, his little speech at the end, make sure you catch that. It's it's. It's pretty good. So, um, so there you go. Uh, let's let's move forward. We're in uh, our series in, in the book of First Samuel. You saw the bumper video there today. We're chapter twenty-three. So welcome to twenty-three and me. <laughs> We're gonna do that. Sorry, we have to do a, a certain quota of pastor jokes, or I get paid by the joke. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, but good news, if you have concerns about anything that happens here or a complaint or something you would normally put in an email or a communication slip, which we don't do, um, good news, mom is here this morning. So uh, technically, it's all her fault. Okay, so you can talk to her. It's good to have you, mom. And Mark, it's good to have you too, right? It's mom and Mark. So there you go. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, chapter 23, and there's a lot of trouble going on, and a bunch of people telling tales. When people tell tales, are they usually true? No. So in the midst of tall tales and trouble, we, we want to find the truth. And that's what we're going to get into. I'm, I'm kind of spoiling where we're going because I want you to see it, because it's going to take a little bit to see. But then at the end... It's going to be crystal clear. So, uh, as always, let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive in. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for what we sang. Thanks for what we get to experience of you. May we be reminded that our relationship with you is exactly that. It's ours. And there are outside influences always. I pray this morning we would see how you can be the outside influence. And we can maybe squash the noise around us. We thank you for what we're about to see in this passage and uh, pray that you would guide it. Glorify you, your son, may your spirit guide it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 23. David is on the run. Uh, David is the future king. For those of you just joining us and yet to catch us on podcast or on YouTube, uh, they're all back there. You can go catch them. But uh, they didn't have a king. They needed a king. They wanted a king. God says, you don't need a king. You have me. They said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. By the way, not a good thing to say to God. They demanded a king. They give him a king. His name's Saul. Saul starts out kind of okay, and he's progressively getting worse, like some men. Uh, God says, eh, you know, you could have, but you didn't. And since you aren't, you won't. 
I'm going to use somebody else. And he brings in Samuel, who is the priest and, and kind of the prophet. And he says, Samuel, we're going to find somebody new. There's that great story of Jesse marching his kids in front of Samuel. And then he, he says, that, that's it? Because none of these guys are it. He says, well, I got, I got the runt down with the animals. He says, well, bring him. Here comes David. Samuel anoints him. And then everybody kind of knows now. Word on the street. It's been posted everywhere and many, many likes. Tons of views. Uh, David's supposed to be king. And there's only one problem. His name is Saul. Saul. Once you're the king, you don't want to give up your kingship. So Saul's going after him, and David's on the run. And this is kind of where we find ourselves. If you want more detail, you'll have to go back to said podcasts and videos. But um, they told David, chapter 23, verse 1, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kelah and are robbing the threshing floors. Robbing the threshing floors for those of us get stuck on like little things. They're taking our supplies, our stuff. Threshing most likely food and wheat and those kind of things. So not only are they fighting against us, they're also taking our stuff. Something must be done. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Now at risk of being a pastor and us being at church on a Sunday during worship service, I dare ask the question, what just happened? Try to go fairly obvious and simple. Prayer? Prayer. Okay, here's the thing, okay? And I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but over the last 9 to 12 months, Sarah is outscoring all of you <laughs> by herself, okay? And I can't make the joke anymore, okay, you're preaching next week, okay? So have fun with it, right? Follow the example. Because here we have a problem, or what was the word in the title? We got trouble. And what does he do? He goes to the Lord. Me, I'm gathering my army. I'm getting my advisors. I'm, I'm, I'm punching it in on the calendar. <laughs> we'll be busy off at war. You know, I'm scheduling and I'm getting resources, the whole thing. Isn't that what David's doing right here? Is he getting an army? Mm, I think he's talking to the best warrior of all time. Is he getting resources? Budget? Yeah. He, he found the one-stop shop. It's like the Walmart of life. He says, hey, God, what do we do about this? We've got Philistines again. Didn't they learn the last time when I knocked out their giant? The Lord said to David, go attack the Philistines and save Kilah. Did you get an answer? Okay, this is important because this is going to play into our feelings at the end. Okay, So I like to give you hints as to stuff that's coming. Um, David's men said to him, uh, behold, David, uh, we're, we're kind of afraid right where we are here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kelah, which is kind of outside of our area, and go against the armies of the Philistines, and we go against the armies of the Philistines, isn't that getting worse? Right? What do you hear? Doubt, fear, uh, negotiation. Yeah, can, can we make a deal? Right? Then David inquired of the Lord again. Wow, did this just happen twice? Yeah. First one was trouble. Now we're getting tales, tall tales from the guys. Hey, I don't know if this is a good idea. Are they right? If someone says something, does it make it true? Okay, I just want to make sure we're clear because the rest of culture is confused on that. Have you watched the media or listened to a post or a podcast or anything? Um. He inquires of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him. Does God answer? I want to train you and get your radar up to when you read Scripture. There are sentences that seem simple and filler 
and are just meant to transition you to the next thing, and yet they might be the most profound. Weight. Heavy. Like maybe forget the rest of the stuff and fixate on this. And the Lord answered him. Dang! Anybody felt like they got an audible answer from the Lord or maybe not audible but so much clarity it's as good as if it was audible I'm a pastor for way too many decades and I always have doubt I talked to the Lord I said man I would love to get and the Lord answered him arise go to Killah is that detail (laughs) for I will give the Philistines into your hand what No, arise and go because the Philistines will be gone by the time you get there. No, he's getting very specific. I want that kind of thing. So far, what's the only equation we have for getting that kind of response from God? Twice. He he spoke out to God again, right? We need a pattern. When your pattern is with the Lord, do you get different outcomes, results, experience? Don't make me ask Sarah because you guys are already behind. Do you get different results? Okay. Three of you will. The rest of you will be basking in the glory of those three's experience with God. Rise, go, because you're going to win. David and his men went to Kilah, fought with the Philistines, brought away their livestock, and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kilah. Yay, David! When Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had fled to David, to Kelah. Now, who's that? That's kind of from last chapter. And uh, that's some of the priests. He was the only one that got away. And he is being sought by Saul. And Saul's trying to kill him as well. He shows up to David. Uh, He had come down with an ephod in his hand. He's ready to be a priest. So, did he give up his job no. just because it got trouble? No. Or there were tall tales about what happens to priests now around Saul? No, he, he kept doing his calling. That's a reference to a couple sermons ago. Um, now, it was told Saul that David had come to Kelah. So, this is the message that he brings to him. And Saul said, uh, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself by entering a town that has gates and bars. David has caged himself. Oh, this is going to be easy. Saul summoned all the people to go to war, to go down to Kalah and besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. How do you know? Well, probably Abiathar's son, uh, no, yeah, Abiathar's son of Ahimelech probably told him. Uh, David knew he's plotting against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, "Bring the ephod here." Okay. Earlier, I said. What just happened? I'm going to say it again. What just happened? We're seeking the Lord. Is it different than prayer? Kind of. Yes. Now we've involved someone else, the priest. But the pursuit is the same. Right? Your trajectory, your goal. I want to inquire of God. Right? Then David said, Oh Lord. Oh, now we know he's talking to him. God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kalah to destroy the city on my account. I love this sentence right here. Will the men of Kalas surrender me into his hand? What's he saying? I just saved these people. Are they going to betray me? Now, is, is David used to betrayal? He sure is. So he's being smart, cunning. Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please Tell your servant. And three times now, he's, he's inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, is he answering him? He is. He will come down. He's coming. Get ready. David said, verse 12. Then David said, uh, Will the men of Kalah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Uh, by the way, if we're keeping score, how many times now has he inquired of the Lord? At least four. I'm betting that these are the ones 
that we know about because they were written about any odds that there might have been even more that didn't make the paper? Yeah. They will surrender you. So they're going to turn on you. Then David and his men who are about 600. Wait a minute. Who, who was paying attention last week? 400? Hey guys in the tech booth, can we check and see if that's a typo? How many did he pick up? 200 more? He grew by 50%. How? Must have been God. Doesn't tell us. But he stays with the Lord. He continues to talk to the Lord, pursue the Lord, and, and surround himself with people that do. And all of a sudden, within a couple sentences, he's gone from 400 to 600. David's getting a following. Now, go back to when he was anointed. When he was anointed to be king by Samuel in front of all the people, did that day they put the scepter in his hand and the robe and the crown, and they, oh, you're king. Bam. No. no. But is the process moving forward? Most of the things that you want to be or supposed to be or called to be are a process rather than drive through. And that's good because you want a process. What does it allow for? It allows for people to have time to observe and slowly get over their inhibitions and join you. It gives you time to adjust, rethink, organize, because you're not ready. You are not ready for what's coming. You will be. But if you were just given something right away, you're probably, you're probably not ready for it. And process, sometimes in Scripture, and I know Ed Noble of Journey Community Church, the teaching pastor there that I listen to his podcast every single week, he would say the journey's more important than the destination. It's the name of his church. Journey Community Church. <laughs> journey. It's the journey that was where we learn all of our stuff. We want to be ready for what he gives us by going through the process along the way. All right. Um, 600 arose. They departed Kalah and they went wherever they could go. <laughs> They're on the run. Wherever there's a path. They are fleeing, right? Then Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilah, and he gave up the expedition. David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day. But God did not give him into his hand. You want that guy guiding whatever you're doing wherever you're going, whoever you're with. You want him directing who's ever after you. And what if, see, David's getting into a place where he's starting to come comfortable with his scenario. Comfortable with being on the run, death chasing him. Like, yeah, I'll be all right. In fact, he's going to make a profound breakthrough next week with Brent Baldwin. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bugged because I keep letting other people have the fun chapters. <laughs> Mark and, uh, and then uh, Tompkins. And then last week was a fun chapter, Bryce. And next week, chapter, I mean, you, ca you can't miss church next week. You just can't. It's an amazing story. It's one of my favorite David stories. Anyways, and it's going to accentuate the idea of where we could get, where we could arrive, where you're comfortable with God, regardless of the surroundings. Yeah, it'll work out somehow, eventually. It might hurt for a little bit. As someone quoted to me this week, I might have some light and momentary affliction. But is there a capital G-O-D? And are you banking on them? That's the hard part. That's the one I, even I struggle with. I just There's times it's like I get caught up in the moment. David uh, does not so far. Verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. Strengthened his hand in God. 
That's a fancy way for them saying encouraged him. Right? Jonathan's coming to David saying, hey, look, I know, I know this isn't going well, but stick with it. Right? Good friend. Uh, and he said to him, verse 17, do not fear. The hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Um, by the way, this ends up true. Kind of. He finds him, but doesn't know it. That's next week. And he's going to find him and be around him. But is, he, is, is David ever going to be in Saul's hand? At meaning, is Saul going to ever have control over David? No. And Jonathan's reminding him, well, whose hand are you in then? All right? So you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. There will be a day where you will be the king, and I'm going to be there to see it. That's remembering the long term, the trajectory, uh, the truth as God speaks it. Um, which, by the way, we get from Scripture now. Amen? Christ-centered, biblically-based. And the two of them made, verse 18, made a covenant before the Lord. Have we inquired of the Lord here again? We make a covenant with Jonathan before the Lord. We're at least accessing him. We're calling him to, hey, witness what I'm doing with somebody. Um, by the way, I think this is, this is kind of what happens at a wedding. You're making a covenant before the Lord. Right? We're asking the Lord to bless this. And David remained at Horesh and Jonathan went home. Even though they're split up, now they've they got a deal, right? Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah. Oh no, not the Ziphites. <laughs> Saying, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horesh on the hill of Hilalak, um, which is south of Jishimon? Now, come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Hey, we know where he is. Come on down. We'll give him to you, and we will find favor with the king. Right? Do we like the Kishites? No, because no, they're kiss Kishites. Right? Um, Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Because that's the determining factor as to who God blesses. Right? This is very narcissistic, very selfish very egotistical for him to think, well, God's going to bless people just if they're nice to me. Not true. Because most of the time, you're wrong. So whether they're nice to you or not has nothing to do with God's agenda. Go make yet more sure. Can you go double check that he's actually there? Because He's pretty cunning, right? Know and see the place where his foot is and who has seen him there, for it is told to me that he is very cunning. <laughs> this guy slips out of everything. He's sneaky. He's cagey. You make sure he's there, and then I'll come down. Right? Verse 23, here we go, next slide. See, therefore, and take note, all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. What's Saul banking on? I'm going to give you this one because I know some of you think uh, I'm supposed to say God here. No, he's lurk. He's um, leaning on tall tales, isn't he? Go tell me a story. Who should he be leaning on? Now do it. God. Right. Who's David leaning on? God. Okay, so we see the compare contrast and we know why David's going to win in this whole thing. Uh, then I will go with you if he is in the land. I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan uh, in Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. Anybody want to attempt that sentence? Okay. And Saul and his men, verse 25, Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, how is it that he keeps finding out? God. Good job. David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Moan. Ch cheesy pastor joke here. So he went down to the rock. Sorry. Um, and when Saul heard that he pursued, it's going to get worse, by the way. It's coming. It's, it's, it's way worse. Um, and Saul heard that. 
he pursued uh, after David in the wilderness of Moan. Saul went on the uh, side of, of the mountain, and David and his men are on the other side of the mountain. Whoa. Are we close? We're almost striking distance. Is this getting bad? I mean, are we getting capital T trouble? We were in trouble, but now he's close. It's getting worse. Right? This is, um, I mean, I would have been panicking before. Now I'd be really panicking if I was David. And Saul, he's getting excited, right? I can almost smell him. David was hurrying to get away from Saul as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men. This is bad. Two, closing in on his men to capture them. And a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines are back. <laughs> wow. They've made a raid against the land. Who did God use to rescue David? Wow, isn't that ironic? I've, I've loved this, the idea that God can use anything and does to accomplish His will. Even them uncircumcised Philistines. I see this is great irony this is really funny right we've been destroying the Philistines like crazy all up through the book so far now all of a sudden they're they're almost playing hero like who, who told him it was a good time to attack hey why don't we just go attack right now you think God had his hand in it absolutely and now what's Saul's problem uh he's he's right there I just I want to smack him but I don't want to lose my country over here Right? Sorry, Steve, for looking at you. It was nothing personal. Hurry come, the Philistines have raided against the land. So Saul returning from pursuit, uh, he returned from pursuing after David and went after the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. Yeah, I think loosely translated it says uh, Rock Bible Church. I, I'm not, don't, don't bank on that one, but um, so he's at this rock where Saul's about to get him and God says, whoop, we're switching up the game. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. First five words of that verse that last verse this is where the story ends and i told you there's little phrases you you can't sweep over them quickly and david went up from there the king with all the power and everything is after him, right on the other side of the mountain within distance like he's about to get him and david went up from there wow what a amazing commentary if I said, why did he go up from there? Sarah would say, God. And you would say, oh, yeah. But if I asked you, is that true about your life? When you're in the midst of trouble or tall tales or people orchestrating or posting or whatever, or they didn't come to the family thing. Or, uh, uh, uh. Do you think that God can take you up from there? Take you through that? I mean, that's what you should be looking through. Because I mean, have we seen like the worst scenarios really bad ones where all of a sudden they make it through right i mean there's all kinds of crazy people getting really sick relationships ending uh bad business deals car wrecks uh, physical ailment i mean there's so many things and all of a sudden god brings them up from there these stories folks are not history lessons about obscure kings from thousands of years ago. Well, gee, Scott, that looks exactly like what they are. What's my point? These are life, life lessons. Life, these are life lessons. It's meant for us to catch the pattern. How do you do truth through troubles and tales? Let's figure this out because the exercise we're about to do is finding patterns. Okay, I got three patterns I think we found in this. Um, the first ones I, I think I beat you up with already. Um, talking to God, right? Did he talk to God? 
I say that um, he did it at least five times or more, okay? That's, we're going to go with that number for today. Talking to God trends toward truth. You want to find truth in the midst of trouble, which, by the way, we all, in this life, you will have trouble. It's a promise from Scripture. Happy Sunday. You're going to have trouble, right? Are people going to say things about you? Lies. They're all lies, Right? So in the midst of that, how do you, how do you figure out what the truth is? How, how do you um, recognize truth when it arrives? How, how do you define truth? How do you walk in truth? You, you start talking to the author. I, I crack up. Uh, I know this never happens in your industry where people come and you're let's let's pick a let's pick a, an industry P- name a, an industry anything any kind of job lending, mending? like oh lending sorry in lending i know you lenders that work in the lending industry i'm having fun with this i'm sure you never have people come in and tell you how lending should go the laws of lending and best lending practices and, and stuff like that. Do you, I know that never, when you're a plumber, they don't tell you how to fit the pipes and all that kind of stuff. They just go, oh my gosh, there's crap everywhere. Please fix it, <laughs> right? Tell me where to sign. How much money do you need, right? Not so much when you're a pastor. <laughs> and... <laughs> Maybe some of you. Because <laughs> it, it always gets me. And people will come and they will tell me about the Bible. And there's times where it's like, wait, I took that class. Wait, I wrote a paper on that passage. And I remember the professor who's even more educated than me he talked about it and like you're you're making stuff up it fits you and how about forget you and forget me especially forget me or the professor how about we go to the direct source of all the writings will be the who does the writing okay but i'm looking for the occupation Starts with awe, and, and thank you, author, right? I was going to go Greek God, but I couldn't remember if Thor was a Greek God or not. We, we got to go to the author. We got to go to the source, right? It's, it's kind of like power tools. I can't figure how this works. I don't understand. There's buttons and all this kind of stuff. I can't tell if it's sharp or not, or it's not even supposed to be sharp. Shoot, I don't know. I can't even get the thing to turn on. Oh, really? What's the, what's the question? That first question that anybody of any kind of knowledge says when they first walk on that scene, they'll say, well, is it, is it plugged in? You know, you didn't insert the battery, so there, there has to be a source. And, and, and I hate to crush you on this Sunday. You're never the source. Never. I mean, is that crushing? Like, you are not the source, the author, the initiator of anything. You are a bit player. You're photobombing the real picture. You're in the background. There's one author. There's one power source. There's one director of truth, definer of truth. We have to start talking to that guy. That's when things start to make sense. And and the scary part is visually as we walk through life and listen and smell, man, it can look off. And it will take you off the path. It will jack your journey. Unless you're regularly referencing God. I can't tell you how many times I've read things and gone, what is that? Why did I even read that? 
And then months later, years later, kids later, like, oh, that's what that means? we got to figure out how to get connected with the source and then let him dictate when he uses that stuff for us. Because if you just listen um, to the tides, you're going to see trouble and you're going to see tall tales. Fred said, and we're all going to die. No. Fred had a little too much to drink. <laughs> you know? we got to make sure that we're not doing this. Um, I give you uh, four verse references. I would, I would challenge you to find other places where, God is re or where David is referencing God in the passage. And I believe at least one of those, he references them twice in the, in the same verse. So um, what's another pattern that we figure out of this when we want to pursue truth through the trouble and tales um, is this. So the next one. Before we give you the blank on the next one, what's that second word? Prayers. Yeah, don't worry. The, the tech booth, they'll catch up with us. About, there we go. Second word is prayers, which we just talked about, right? Now, there's different kinds of prayers. Amen? God is good. God, No, God is great, and God is good, and we thank him for this food. What's that? It's a praise, it's rote repetition, and you memorize it. And some people said it before meals all the time, all growing up. Right? Is it a good prayer? Yeah. yeah. I kind of cover some of the basics. Right? Are there better prayers? Yeah. What makes a better prayer? Wait, wait I think... Church home answers are supposed to be easy, like read your Bible, pray, God, Jesus. What makes for a better prayer? Prayer from your heart, which you would be expressing what? If you're expressing from your heart, you would it would be authentic and you would be expressing lings. Yes, feelings, right? And then what was the word you said? What what makes for a better prayer? Sincerity. In sincerity, what's the commodity when you're being sincere? What are you peddling when you're sincere? Truth. Truth. Okay. Now, are we starting to get more detail if we're sharing truth and feelings? There's another one, like the fancy theologians like to call it petition. And I like to say gesundheit. What does that even mean? What's Petition. Asking. So there's things you feel, there's truth, things you think, there's things you ask, stuff you want. Okay, you're going to get everything you need. He gives you your needs, periods. You, you get the, the air and the water and a little bit of sleep. You got all your needs. Everything else is one, right? And there's other things that you could pray for besides your feelings, thoughts, and wants. You could also pray about things you see, right? I can see them crying, God. I feel bad about it. I think you could do something, and I want you to act today. Is that a better prayer than God is great and God is good? Thank you for our food. Right? Is that a better prayer? Why? What does it have that the... The jesting prayer, I don't want to downplay it or mock it. I'm trying to make a point. It has depth, and depth comes out of specificity. What is that? Detail. Hey, God, could you heal them? Don't ever pray like my family speaks. Hey, could you help me with that thing? later uh, me are you talking to me and what's the thing and when's later what are we missing detail right if you see anybody in my family tell them to start using detail or dad's doing nothing okay specific prayers 
Does David pray specifically? Yes, I'm in Keilah. Are they going to give me up? Is Saul on his way? Do you want me to attack the Philistines? What should I do? This guy knows how to pray. He's not asking for, oh, if it be your will, could you give me some direction today? Which, by the way, is a great prayer and be a good start. But how about you own it and get into what do you really want? What are you really afraid of? What are you excited about? What are you thinking and does God need to modify it? God, I was thinking I should be there. Is that a good thought? Those are great prayers. Amazing prayers. You know what happens? Can, um, can we fill in the first blank? When we do specific prayers, what, what do you think specific prayers bring? What would they do? <gasps> wow. Are you sure there's, I mean, there's a lot of verse references there. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to brag on my mom here for a second. Specific prayers bring specific, what was the word you used? Results. Didn't even tell her. <laughs> Contrary to popular opinion, I don't run my sermons by mom every week. Spe special results. It brings special results. Not just results. Hey God, do you do you think you can help me with the Philistines and the Caleb people and Saul's on his way? Nah. That'd be a result, but it wouldn't be special. Hey, God, I want a son. If you're listening, I want a son. I like daughters, but I want, a son. I want the first one to be a son, mostly because it rhymes. First one is son. Bam. You laugh. For some of you, it makes you uncomfortable. You prayed about the gender of your child? Yeah. Because I believe in God and specific prayer, and I believe in genders. You know what happened after this one? He was very difficult. Is. No. Uh... I think I want another son. Honey? Son? Yeah. Okay. All right. Son, please. Where do we fill out the form? Where do we sign? Two boys, please. Thank you. I forgot on this one. On this one. I said I want a boy and I want blonde hair and I want blue eyes. Dead serious. Is that a specific prayer? Did I get it? I did. He just got old, and they always turn brown. <laughs> but you see the baby kid pictures are like straight blonde, right? Um, so with Cyrus, we prayed for a boy. What did we get? We got a boy. Yeah. On the third one, dude, we're done with boys. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're climbing all over everything. They're eating stuff. They're doing other things we can't mention at church, <laughs> making messes. And I want to go through life without a little girl. What do we have third again? A girl. Before we had kids, I had an intern that worked for me. His name is Jason Moog. I say is because he's still alive. Right? Does ministry here in town over at um, Valley Bible Church. Love him. His wife, Natalie, their kids. It's, yeah. And he comes to me one time. I'm the pastor. He's the intern. Hey, you're having a kid. Have you ever thought about praying about the gender? I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's so sacrilegious, like to force the hand of God and try to direct his will and the whole thing. I gave him this whole pastor speech. And he, he's, he was kind of brilliant. He's like, yeah, what happened to that whole thing about him giving you the desires of your heart? <laughs> so I had to rethink it. Luckily, I did it in time. And I got what I wanted. Right? I, I'm celebrating it, okay? rest of my life, I'm going to be unbearable about that, at least, okay? But I got other examples. Like she said, yes. That was a specific prayer. You're sitting in one of my specific prayers. 
I would say that we got some special revo- results. We've we've built like 20 houses or something in Mexico. We've taken how many kids through uh, VBS and how many children have gone through uh, children's ministry and how many weddings have we done and baby dedications and funerals for people when there's loss. I mean, there's so many special results that come out of one person. There's so many special results that come out of specific prayers. I know some of you can't make the switch from specific to special and back and forth. It's okay. Practice at home. All right. And then I just, I wanted to make sure we accentuated the 600, right? Was there, was there, did we miss a prayer about, I need more people? Can you give, build my army? Do we, do we, was there a prayer? Like, there wasn't. Did, did we get a special result of 200 extra? Did he, he grew by 50% just because God said, eh, this guy's talking to me. I'm going to send him a little more, Right? It's kind of like when my kids behave. I transfer them a little more money. (laughs) This one's laughing way too much today. Last one. Last pattern we want to accentuate. Mankind and myths. Do we have a plethora? Both of those? We have way too many mankind things. Way too many myths. Um, They're no match for the mountain of God's mystery. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if there's only a mountain between you and your enemy. It doesn't matter how dead set there are on setting you dead. When God wants to do something, you will never know all the details. But you can pray about the specific things that you know about, that you think, feel, want, and see, observe. And then you could say, uh, how about without me knowing, you let me go up from here. That last phrase in that last sentence. How about you get me through this because I'm sick of the mankind stuff. I'm tired of myths and lies, manipulation. And I, I want to be dominated by one thing. And here's, here's the rough part for us, right? The righteous shall live by, starts with F, ends with faith, right? We're supposed to live by faith. What does faith imply? Well, faith is the belief in things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. Okay, great. What's that mean? You don't know. You can't know. You won't know. All those unts, can't, won't, don't, right? We're supposed to live like that. Okay, well, how, what, what do I know? What can I bank on then? The mountain of his mystery. He's got all kinds of things. He can use a mountain. Just to, just, he should be like, uh-huh. They're going to have the Philistines attack today. <laughs> I love that. Hey, I'm going to send you Jonathan. They need a little encouragement. Hey, Jonathan, tell them all the right stuff. Things can work out if you believe that he works things out and you can come up out of there if he you believe that his path for you is up out of there that means through it not you quit okay we're clear on that part we've got to get to a place where we start to figure out that our 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 number one pursuit is the lord amen and our our we say it, love the Lord. Our second pursuit is love your neighbor as yourself, right? We, get, we understand those, like they asked Jesus, what's the greatest? He said, these are the two things. That's it. We base everything in all of faith and scripture on these two things. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Okay, great. How? This is what I always have the trouble with, right? Okay, I like the premise is, those two premises. But I tried it. It doesn't work, God. And he's like, ding, 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 McFly. It works, but you have to bathe it in. What's uh, that first word in the title there? You, you, your pursuit must be truth. Yeah, well, you know, if my spouse would do that and like center on a little more truth, no, 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 no. What's the problem with that statement? Someone else? Someone else? 
It's just you. It's, you're the only person you can have real influence over. I, I know I'm crushing you guys today. There's so many bad... You're not the author of anything and you have no influence <laughs> for anybody else. But you can do truth for yourself. And the more you ask specifically for truth, how many times, every single time, David inquired of the Lord and God answered him and God said to him and God said, bam, answers. I mean, I like results, special results, but I like answers even more sometimes, right? Where, did it, where does it all come from? God, David's starting to figure it out. Can we put your name in that sentence? Are you starting to figure it out? David is going to start to figure it out, and it's going to take off. It's going to be exceptional, amazing. You know, there was a temple in Jerusalem. There's no temple in Jerusalem right now. It's going to be a temple. Who did that? David and Solomon. And God, right? There's going to be some amazing things. Warning, David will forget. And David will stop. And it will end poorly for him. Because he will stop pursuing the Lord and he will stop uh, peddling in truth. And he'll start banking on his position as king. And then he's going to start taking whatever he wants. And God's going to say, eh, I work differently than that. Step aside. You're benched. May you always pursue the Lord and His truth. And may you do it specifically. And may He provide a mountain of mystery, His, for you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for what we've uh, seen, read, heard, felt, thought, prayed, saying today. Trust that it's focused on you. We thank you that you're bigger than anything out there. May we figure out how much and how different and bigger that you are than ourselves. Love the contrast between Saul and David. Lord, may we be more like David in this passage and less like Saul. And may we be less like ourselves and more like you. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive and pray that you bless it. We trust you for everything you're doing with your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Get out your fill-ins for a second. The third one. Just the words you wrote down. Match the mountain of mystery. That made you write it down. Our pursuit of God, our pursuit of truth. May it match the mountain of His mystery. Amen? Go with Him.